Non-discrimination testing is critical in maintaining the compliance of many of the benefits plans that employers offer their employees to ensure they don't discriminate in any way. Failure to comply puts employers and employees at risk of IRS penalties. Welcome to Benefits Buzz. I'm your host, Kelsey Burgad. With me today is my co-host, Hayden Gothi, and Deb Linder, who is an employee benefits attorney for Fredrickson and Byron. Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you on the podcast talking about non-discrimination testing. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Can you give us a brief overview of your experience and your role um, today and how it pertains to non-discrimination testing? Certainly. I'm an employee benefits attorney and I have been with Fredrickson and Byron for about 30 years doing benefits uh, law all of that time. Work with companies of all sizes on all things related to their employee benefit programs. So including retirement plans, cafeteria plans, health and welfare plans, and many of those plans have testing requirements in order to comply with the requirements of the Internal Revenue Code or other laws. So what exactly is non-discrimination testing for those listening today that maybe don't know? Sure. Simply put, uh, uh, non-discrimination testing is designed to make sure that the benefits don't favor the highly paid. Many of the types of plans that employers offer require that we compare the benefits being provided to the highly paid to the benefits provided to the lower paid to make sure that the highly paid folks are not getting a better deal, essentially. And why is that important? What happens if, you know, they don't do non-discrimination testing and they are favoring one set of employees? Typically, the tax advantages for the highly paid employees will be lost. So with 401k plans and cafeteria plans, in order to receive the tax benefits of participating in those plans, the plans must comply with those non-discrimination tests. If they do not, then the highly paid employees will be taxed on all or a portion of their benefits. So the tax advantage is essentially lost. That's interesting. So if the company is deemed that, you know, their plans aren't favorable to all of their employees, Mm -hmm. then really that favor goes away for everybody. So It goes away at least for the highly compensated employees. In some cases, like a 401k plan, if you fail the testing and you do nothing about it, you can disqualify the entire plan for all employees. Wow. For cafeteria plans, it tends to be more of a case where the, the higher paid employees will be taxed on the benefits that they received. And what type of plans would have to have non-discrimination testing run on them? There are many types of employee benefit plans that require testing. We talked a little bit about 401k plans and other retirement plans like profit sharing plans, pension plans. Those plans all have non-discrimination testing that must be met each year. Cafeteria plans are also subject to testing as well as the benefits within the cafeteria plan. So a cafeteria plan is a, a plan that allows for pre-tax payment of certain benefits. Employees can receive certain benefits on a tax-favored basis, and they can also pay premiums on their health and other welfare plans on a pre-tax basis. The plan requires uh, testing in order to make sure that it complies with the requirements of the Internal Revenue Code, specifically Code Section 125, in order to make those tax-favored benefits available to its employees. And some examples would be like, Flexible spending accounts, health cool. reimbursement arrangements. That's right. Okay. So the pre-tax payment of premiums, health care spending accounts, dependent care spending accounts. If you happen to have group term life insurance in your cafeteria plan, that also has testing requirements as well. And is the actual compliance of these plans what's required or are you actually required to test them? 
You're required to test your plan every year to demonstrate that you're in compliance with the Internal Revenue Code requirements. Okay. So that is a requirement every year. And is there a certain time of year that they should test their plans or what frequency should they test? You are required to demonstrate compliance with the Internal Revenue Code requirements each and every year. So that would mean doing the testing at least on an annual basis. Some employers that are larger or maybe have a unique benefit plan design might want to do testing throughout the year to make sure that they're still going to comply with the requirements. Many times I'll have employers do testing right after the beginning of the year. So folks will make their elections typically at the end of the calendar year, December timeframe, and then maybe the test will be run in January or February to see how close we are to passing or failing the test and whether we have to make adjustments in the benefits being provided to the highly paid employees so that the plan is essentially guaranteed to pass when the year closes. You are also then required to do it at the end of the year because folks might change their elections over the course of the year or you might have new employees join the plan and their elections will have to be taken into consideration. So you would want to run it at least once a year and maybe a couple of times during the course of the year to make sure you're in compliance. When you see your clients um, go through the non-discrimination testing process, who typically is running those tests or how are they performing those tests? Ideally, I would have them run their tests by a third-party administrator. That would be ideal. Uh, the the third-party administrator is going to have software readily available to run the tests. Obviously, they'll the, the third-party administrator will need data from the employer like the uh, employees who are eligible for the plan, the elections that they've made, the compensation that they've been paid, and so forth. Um, and the third-party administra administrator will take that information and run the tests and give the employer a report that tells them whether or not the plan has passed the various tests that apply. There are several, uh, several tests that apply to cafeteria plans, and so the third-party administrator would be able to run each and every one of them and make sure that the plan is complying with all of them. The third-party administrator can also provide the employer with ideas about what to do if the plan looks like it's going to fail, which ideally they should talk to their benefits counsel about. So that's when they would come back to you or someone like you, a benefits attorney, is you know if they fail that test, then you would be able to give them advice on how to correct that. That's right. And the more proactive an employer can be, the better. If they run the test shortly before the end of the year and discover that they're failing the tests, then we have possibly better options for fixing it. The IRS rules are a bit unforgiving when it comes to failing the cafeteria plan testing. Once the year has closed, there's not much we can do. So it would be ideal if the employer could come before the end of the year and we could talk about what to do to pass the tests. So let's look, dig a little bit deeper on that. When you say the plan year is already closed, are you saying if they start their plan year on 1-1 of mm -hmm. 2020, if they don't test until the end of the year and they realize they failed for that entire year, that's when you're saying it's unforgiving. But let's say they're just starting the plan year and they test then, they still have the opportunity they to correct. They still have time. Okay. That's right. If So if, I'm, if my plan starts January 1st and I run a test in January or February for that year, so January, February 2020, for example, um, I still have the rest of the year to make adjustments in the highly paid employees' benefits in order to pass. If I have waited until after December 31st in that example, then my options are a bit more limited. Okay. So what are some common reasons that uh, a client might 
fail non-discrimination testing and have to re-examine their plan? Some of the main reasons would be differences in eligibility conditions. So if you make some benefits available to uh, certain employees and not others, so you exclude groups of employees. If you have different eligibility requirements, some folks might be eligible after 60 days of employment, whereas others are eligible immediately upon employment. Those types of differences can cause the plan to fail. Providing better benefits, higher limits or higher benefits to the higher paid employees would also cause the plan to fail. Um, providing benefits only to the highly paid employees would cause the plan to, to fail. For example, if you had a situation where the employer is paying 100% of the premiums for the owners and officers of the company, but requiring everybody else to pay a portion of their health insurance premium, that type of plan design could cause the plan to fail the test. What are the consequences for non-compliance? If they realize they fail and they, they're like, oh, it's too hard to change it now, I'm not going to do anything, um, what are the consequences in that case? The primary consequence is that the highly paid employees would be taxed. And if you're discovering this several years later, there are payroll tax penalties that can apply to the employer. So if you, did, if you should have taxed the highly paid employees on their benefits and you didn't, then the employer should have reported that income on their W-2, should have subjected the income to employment taxes like FICA, federal and state income taxes, and so forth, and paid those taxes over to the IRS. Since the employer didn't, the employer could be at risk for penalties for not having withheld taxes, not depositing the taxes, and so forth. So there could be penalties on both sides. What are some common questions you hear from clients about non-discrimination testing? Some common questions would be, you know, what can I exclude a particular division or a group of employees from the plan? Can I have different eligibility conditions for certain groups of employees? A common question is what happens in the context of an acquisition of a company? And what should we do with this new employee group? Can we keep them out of the cafeteria plan for a period of time? Maybe we've acquired the company mid-year and we don't want them to participate until the beginning of the next year. Can we do that? How would that affect my testing of my plan? Another um, aspect of testing that employers need to be aware of is this concept of a controlled group. So if there are multiple companies that are related somehow based on ownership, like a parent or a subsidiary arrangement or companies that have the same owners, those employers will all be treated as one employer by the IRS. So if you had a parent having a cafeteria plan that excludes all of its subsidiaries, that could cause a testing failure. So employers need to be mindful of those kinds of arrangements as well. Can you talk a little bit about the value of working with a third-party administrator to do non-discrimination testing rather than an employer choosing to take that on on their own? Yeah, the primary value of having a third-party administrator run the testing is that they're going to have the software programs developed and readily available to input all of the data that comes in from the employer, run the test, and provide a report to the employer that shows them whether or not the various tests have been passed. And if they haven't passed some of the tests, then the third-party administrator can oftentimes provide recommendations about what to do, which ideally the company would want to talk to their benefits counsel about. But the primary advantage is that it's a more efficient way of having the testing done 
as someone is going through this process and they're performing their non-discrimination testing, is there anything they should have available to them and ready um, so they are getting the most out of the testing they're performing? So if I'm the third-party administrator uh, or a benefits professional, I would, of course, want to have handy the Internal Revenue Code and the regulations. Another resource that I use frequently is the EBIA handbooks on cafeteria plans. Those are very valuable in terms of understanding the tests and how to run them. If I'm the employer, I, of course, need to have the information relating to employees' elections, compensation data. I need to be able to identify who my owners and officers, highly paid employees are. And probably the most valuable piece of information they can have handy is the contact information for their third-party administrator and their benefits counsel. So as someone is performing these tests, they're going to need specific information to input into whatever system or tool their third-party administrator has in order to run the test. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of those pieces of data? I know you said they need to know who their highly compensated employees are. What are some of the other pieces? Um, and well, let me just clarify that highly compensated employees will vary depending on what test we're running. So there are a variety of tests that apply to a cafeteria plan. There are tests that apply to the plan itself, and then there are tests that apply to the individual components of the plan. So there are separate tests that apply to the healthcare spending account. There are separate tests that apply to the dependent care flexible spending account. And then there are three or four tests that apply to the cafeteria plan itself. The definition of highly compensated employee differs depending on which test we're running. As a general rule, it's certain owners and officers and folks making a, with compensation over a specific limit specified by the IRS. So having the compensation data and knowing what that limit is that the IRS has given us, knowing what that limit is and having the compensation data would be critical to have. When the third-party administrator sends its questionnaire asking for the employer to identify the owners and the officers and the highly compensated employees, that's the kind of information that they're going to be looking for. So let's dig in a little bit to the different tests that are under the cafeteria plan. What types of tests are there and how many? There are a number of tests that apply to the cafeteria plan. There are some tests that apply to the plan itself, and there are also tests that apply to the components or the benefits that are being provided within the plan. For the cafeteria plan itself, there are four tests. There's a test looking at the eligibility for the plan. There's a test relating to the availability of benefits, whether the benefits are available to all employees on the same basis, how the benefits are utilized. And then the fourth test is called a key employee concentration test. And it's looking at what portion of the benefits are being received by certain owners and officers and can't exceed 25% of the total benefits being provided by the plan. In addition to those four tests, we have separate tests that apply to the health care spending account and the dependent care spending account. Again, all of the tests are designed to make sure that the highly paid individuals, the owners and officers, are not receiving too much of the benefit. The two tests that I see cafeteria plans fail on a regular basis is the key employee concentration test and the tests relating to the dependent care account. That sounds like a lot of testing. It's a, a lot, lot of, of testing. <laughs> That's why you should really have your third-party administrator running those tests because they're familiar with them and they have the software programs to run them. So there really are a lot of tests that have to be done. With all of your experience uh, 
if you're an employer and you're looking at offering a cafeteria plan, for example, is there any pieces of advice that you would provide to, you know, make sure that they're offering a plan that will be more likely to pass these types of tests? One primary recommendation would be to make the benefits the same for everyone. Same eligibility, same limits on benefits, same premiums uh, paid for everyone. So if you charge the rank and file employees 50% of the premium, you should make the highly paid employees pay 50% of the premium too. Same benefits provided. That would be ideal. You still could have some difficulties passing some of the other tests that I talked about based on how the elections are made by employees or how they use the plan. I have plans that have identical eligibility conditions, identical benefits, identical limits, and all of that, and they still fail sometimes the key employee concentration test because the key employees are using the plan to a greater extent than the rank and file. So you can still have testing problems, but out of the gate, you'd want to have basically the same plan terms and the same benefits for everyone. Do you think any of that comes down to just more effectively communicating the benefits of the plan so that it's more widely used across all sections of employees? I do. I think that's a big uh, aspect of it. Sometimes employees don't understand the advantages, the tax advantages of participating in a cafeteria plan. Communicating, educating them, it can be huge in terms of getting their participation up and getting the testing to work out a little bit more favorably for everyone. Aside from non-discrimination testing, what other compliance-related topics do clients usually ask you about? So not necessarily relating to cafeteria plans, but in um, retirement plan issues, we often see disconnects between what the plan says and how the plan is actually being operated. That happens more frequently than you might imagine. Um, and there are ways to correct those types of issues under the IRS guidance. But depending on the type of error that it is, there are various options for correcting it. The best result would be to talk with an employee benefits attorney to talk about what options you have for correcting those kinds of mistakes. So again, plan document doesn't match up with how the administration of the plan has been working. That can also happen in a cafeteria plan as well, but I see it more frequently with 401k plans and retirement plans. Every company will have uh, highly compensated employees. At a minimum, the owners of the business will be highly compensated. And then officers may also be highly compensated, sometimes only if their compensation exceeds a certain limit defined by the IRS. Other times, just simply because they are an officer, they will be considered a highly compensated employee. But every company is going to have highly compensated employees. So before they run... So before they run each test, the employer is going to have instructions that will tell them how to identify who their highly compensated employees are. That's right. The questionnaire from the third-party administrator will typically outline for the employer, here are the people we need to identify. Officers making over $170,000, 5% owners, 1% owners. Those kinds of people in the top 25% of your organization based on compensation. That questionnaire will have that detail, and that's the information that the employer will have to fill out. But employers can safely say that 
every employer, no matter the size, has a highly compensated Everyone employee. Everyone has a, at least one highly compensated employee, okay. but you'll have at least one. I mean, I'm in marketing, so I'm not a subject matter expert on this by any means, but I think this is the first time that I have ever put two and two together that the testing isn't solely how they set up the plan, but it's how people utilize mm -hmm. or enroll in the plan. I don't think I've right. ever put that together yeah. in this aspect. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. That's why it can be so kind of in inadvertent because right. yeah, if you're certain levels of employees yeah. just aren't utilizing the plan, the employer might not. That's right. If you're not checking it, you're you not can, aware you of it. You can set it up to, in your mind in a way that should pass the test and you can still fail because of how the employees are utilizing the plan and whether the rank and file are participating in the healthcare spending account or the dependent care spending account or paying their premiums pre-tax, you can, um, you can f still fail because of the way it's being utilized. How do employers find someone like you? I mean, I know that your role is so needed in the benefit space because even talking to you today, I'm blown away by the expertise <laughs> that you have. So how does someone find someone like you if they're, you know, across the country or um, how do they go about seeking out a benefits attorney? I get a lot of referrals from third-party administrators. I do a fair amount of presentations for clients and for um, marketing events, but they can certainly check out our website at fredlaw.com and my bio and information is there as well. But typically it's the referral from the third-party administrator or the accountant that the company is working with. Discovery Benefits, a WEX company, is in the business of simplifying the world of employee benefits. Although we hope our podcast sparks some aha moments, we cannot provide legal, investment, or financial advice related to the plans we administer, and nothing shared in this podcast should be interpreted as such. We encourage you to seek appropriate professional advice regarding your plans.